This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time once again for instant analysis, this time following the Alabama Crimson Tides. 55-3 win over the Vanderbilt Commodores Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Alabama improves to 4-0 on the 2022 campaign. 1-0 now in SEC play as things really start to get interesting in the month of October. But first, we'll focus on Alabama and Vanderbilt. Another strong performance for Alabama. Consistency pretty much throughout the game. When I think about the four games to date, start to finish, this would probably be the most complete performance. Understanding Vanderbilt, when you talk about worst teams in the SEC right now, or the worst team in the SEC, Vanderbilt, I think we saw two of them on the Plains earlier on Saturday, Auburn and Missouri in that pillow fight, right? Did we really need overtime to settle that one? I guess so. Uh, But those are the type of teams that you're talking about. Maybe South Carolina gets into that discussion a little bit. But this is more about crediting Alabama for a strong performance, especially in some areas where you wanted to see continued growth for Nick Saban's 16th team at the capstone. And we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. And as we typically do, especially after a result like this, a 52-point game, we'll go more positionally and unit-based than we will say, hey, let's run down the play-by-play first through fourth quarter not really a need to do that in a game like this but starting on the offensive side of the ball Bryce Young once again very effective 25 of 36 for 385 yards four touchdowns for the junior quarterback very important and this was a part of my five predictions piece on Friday time to get Jermaine Burton going right And that was the case Saturday night. First play of the game, they target Jermaine. Uh, He makes a catch there. It's a hitch, but then really gets things going as the first half moves along. He has the 24-yard reception on the crossing route. And then what you really like to see was the deep ball because that's been missing the vertical passing game. And, you know, that's understanding some defenses and even Vanderbilt to an extent especially early in the game Saturday night, just was not going to give up the deep ball. They were playing a lot of cover three and playing soft on the outside. So that's why you saw the early short stuff to say Jermaine and also Ja'Cory Brooks. And then after hitting a few of those, we're able to get those corners to come up a little bit. Ja'Cory, that was especially the case on his first touchdown catch, a little stutter and go after he had caught back-to-back uh, hitches and that's the thing Jacory does bring to the table especially with his strength you know on that second hitch before the stutter and go for the touchdown um, you know he had broken a tackle and he's not an easy guy to tackle more so because of his strength and so those corners have to bring a little extra against a guy like Jacory Brooks and you know they get a little early maybe in that break in zone coverage and they were able to hit Alabama was 
Vanderbilt with a double move for the touchdown. But, you know, Jermaine, a very good first half. When you look at his uh, production in the game, four catches, 94 yards. He did have that 48-yarder. Love the yards per catch average for these Alabama wide receivers in the game Saturday night. This is more along the lines of what Alabama fans have grown accustomed to. Ja'Cory Brooks, 19.5 per catch. Jermaine, 23.5 per catch. Treshawn Holden, three catches, 45 yards. That comes out to 15 a clip. Good to see Kobe Prentice sort of reintroduced to the passing game, too. The young receiver with some production. He did have the one drop there in the second quarter on a perfectly thrown ball from Bryce. But, you know, that's the thing about Bryce. If you keep getting open... Bryce is going to put the ball on you. And so there will be more opportunities for Kobe Prentice and offensive line. If we're going to talk about the passing game, the protection was really, really good throughout the game, especially while Bryce was in there with that first group, gave him uh, the opportunity on multiple occasions to go through two, three, four progressions before getting to the open guy. And so that was a real positive, really every aspect of the passing game I think you had to be encouraged by. And it was more of kind of the throw early to run late approach that we've seen from Alabama. You did get to see three quarterbacks in the game. Jalen Milrow comes in. He directs a long touchdown drive, nearly 90 yards on the march there for Jalen Milrow. He hit a couple of third down throws. He had a big third down scramble to set up the goal to go there. Ty Simpson gets in on the mix. And you know, a good opportunity to continue to evaluate these young quarterbacks in a in a game situation. So a lot of value for the quarterback position, I thought. And because of the protection and because of, well, the big margin there, as you got into the third quarter, you, you got to spread the ball around to 12 different receivers in the game. The running backs, once again, a big part of the passing game as well. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, three catches, 43 yards. He had the one touchdown grab. Um, you know, Jace McClellan, a couple of catches for 19 yards. And I also think protection from the running back position is improving. Remember the first couple of games, you had a few busts there. The sack of Bryce at Texas, where you had that free A gap runner on the blitz that took Bryce down for a sack while Jameer was in the game. Seems like they're cleaning up a lot of that. And that's going to be important because I don't think teams like Arkansas with Drew Sanders and Bumper Pool and Texas A&M, especially after the success Texas A&M had with the blitzes involving linebackers and even safeties at times in that game in College Station a year ago, I don't think it's still going to slow down. Uh, until you really show consistently that you're capable of dealing with it, either through protection or you know, getting to your hots and making defenses pay for it. But I thought that did show another step in improvement uh, as a bigger part of the protection scheme for Alabama in the game. And so you like what you got from your wide receivers. You know, the run game, I talked about it earlier. Again, more of a throw it early to run it late. Nick Saban talked about this, too, in his postgame remarks. So many of these plays that go into Bryce are packaged. In other words, it might be a pass play with a run tag to it or a run a lot of times, probably more often than not, that has a pass tag to it, especially in this era of RPO. 
Um, so you don't really know until the ball is snapped what exactly you're going to get from a run-pass perspective. But I don't think there's any doubt that Alabama, especially in games where it has the game in hand, would like to just say, look, we're going to run the football. You know, we, we might have some things tagged to these runs, but first and foremost, these are called runs, and we want to run it. And really, for the second straight week, UL Monroe was like this last week. Alabama, after the half, controlled the game via the ground game. I think 173 of Alabama's 228 rushing yards against Vanderbilt on Saturday night came after the half. Just 11 rushes in the first half. Uh, before really committing and really emphasizing the run game. And, you know, you saw Jace McClellan with another strong performance. This is a guy that's running with power uh, and also some burst, 11 carries, 78 yards for Jace and the one rushing touchdown. Jamarian Miller, man, he's Mr. Fourth Quarter, right? Comes in. This dude's hard to tackle. Uh, nine carries, 63 more yards. Uh, he had the long run of 40 yards in the game, two rushing scores for Jamarian. And give that offensive line some credit, too, in the run game, not just in terms of pass protection. Penalties for the offensive line were a little bit of a negative, if you want to point to that. Uh, from a flags perspective, yeah, Darian Dahlcourt had a couple. Javion Cohen, uh, I think, had a hold in the first quarter there. Um but they did also do a nice job in the run game. I thought the interior of the offensive line, you saw Tyler Booker rotating in once again. Uh, he did a nice job on a kickout block in front of Jace there in the first half. I think Jace picked up 12 yards on that play. And so good stuff also from the offensive line. Uh, in the run game, you, as an extension of that offensive line, uh, you saw a lot of tight ends involved in the mix. Uh, the freshmen still very much in that mix. Danny Lewis, Amari Nyblack, uh, with Kendall Randolph in there now. Not so much Miles Kitzelman. You did see Robbie Oots back in there along with Cameron Latou. A little bit of a downer, right, there uh, where you're inside the five and you're looking at you know, what, second, third, and one, and and, and you get stuffed uh, down there and you have to kick the field goal. You got four tight ends on the field, and you essentially have them all, after you shift, lined up to the right side of the formation. And you've got uh, Kane Patterson, the linebacker for Vanderbilt, shoots a gap there between Danny Lewis. Uh, and it looked like Kendall, maybe. And he's unaccounted for. He doesn't make the play, but if you watch it, Jace has to cut it back. And he doesn't really want to, at least not that early. Uh, and it results in a stuff in the play. So, you know, just because you go bigger doesn't always mean you're going to be better, especially when you're incorporating youth and mixing it with experience. Uh, there's still some things that are going on there from a developmental perspective. But again, for the most part, you're happy with the run game. Yes, you want to see every fourth and short, third and short converted, uh, especially when you're talking about Alabama going against an opponent like this. But 228 rushing yards, 6.7 yards per carry, three rushing touchdowns. Second straight week, Alabama has rushed for three scores in a game. Not bad. Not bad for the Alabama offense. And again, the three quarterbacks each directing scoring drives, at least one scoring drive 
in the game. And I don't want to miss any uh, of these guys. Offensive line play, again, receivers. Good to see guys like Tyu Jones-Bell that you don't see a lot in-game action get opportunities uh, in the game. You saw Isaiah Bond, the true freshman, fairly early in the contest. Pretty good mix this week. You saw Kobe Prentice earlier in the game, maybe than you've seen him, or you did see him last week. So, you know, they're working those guys. Kendrick Law was also in the game fairly early on Saturday. So uh, they're trying to find guys. And, you know, it was positive, too. If you kept up with our pregame coverage there from Charlie Potter, uh, you saw that Tyler Harrell and also JoJo Earl, while they did not play, you know, they did dress and they did go through some of the pregame stuff. So that tells you they're getting closer. And maybe it's Arkansas for one or both of them, maybe neither. But by the time you get to AM and maybe Tennessee in the middle of the month, you could see JoJo Earl and or Tyler Harrell and Aaron Anderson, for that matter, as a part of this Alabama receiving core. Now, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball for the Crimson Tide. I thought... Really, the tone was set early for Alabama on the third and one Wildcat stuff that you had there from uh, Henry Toa Toa. Henry Toa Toa played a complete game once again. You heard Nick Saban asked about Henry Toa Toa probably in the post game, and he just says, right now he's the perfect fit for what, what they want to do. He's got a year in this system and a year in this program, and I understand he came from Tennessee with Jeremy Pruitt and the coaching tree and all those things. It lines up for him to be able to transition pretty seamlessly. The people around you are still different, though, and so communication and things like that that are extremely vital – to the success of that unit, it's still different, and it takes some time. But they look to be very much in lockstep right now as far as that's concerned. And so um, good stuff from from Henry early in the game. Produce a three and out with that tackle for loss on third and one on Ray Davis, the Vanderbilt running get back from the Wildcat formation. And uh, you got a first look at what I like to call anyway – Braswell Turner Anderson Overdrive. I believe the Alabama coaching staff refers to it as the cheetah package where you get those three outside linebackers on the field together. You saw it with Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. And, you know, it started, though, with first down. Alabama on early downs was really good in the game. And you got a young quarterback over there in A.J. Swan, and you're consistently putting him in second and third and long. And I want to say A.J. Swan on third downs and passing on third downs was one of a seven, one of seven for eight yards in the game. And, of course, Vanderbilt converted just one of 13 uh, third downs and 0 for 1 on fourth down, which that was an interesting play call, wasn't it? You run zone read without Mike Wright, your running quarterback in the game, right at Will Anderson uh, on a fourth and one from your own 34 there in the second quarter. And that went about the way that went about the way you would expect it to have gone for no gain. And then on the very next snap, you've got Bryce Young hitting Ja'Cory Brooks for a 34-yard touchdown pass and a 21-3 lead for the Crimson Tide there in the second quarter. But, yeah, you saw that three outside linebacker look in some pass rush situations. I have no doubt that's going to be a big part of what Alabama 
has uh, on the field in those dime rabbit situations moving forward. Now, it may be dependent upon the, the, the quarterback you're going against. You know, you, you could get aggressive with that package with a guy like A.J. Swan. Do you also bring it against K.J. Jefferson, who has the ability to break the pocket? I think you do. Because I think with K.J. Jefferson, the issue is more with his size and strength. I think he's you know, capable of making a guy miss here and there. But it seems like more often than not, the struggle with K.J. Jefferson is this dude's 235, 240 pounds, and it's just difficult to get him on the ground in the pocket. But yeah. I think we're going to see more of that moving forward. You saw a rotation there. Once again, the defensive line is in a situation where they can just roll guys in. Now, when you're going against offenses that work at pace, that's a little bit more difficult because you don't have the the substitutions offensively that allow you to do that defensively. But, you know, Byron Young and the injury there, uh, that was a little bit of a bummer. You did hear from Nick Saban post game, and he said that Byron had sustained a sprained ankle. So stay tuned as we get into the practice week for Arkansas for more on his availability. And he's an important piece, there's no doubt about it. But again, with as much as uh, Alabama is able to do from a substitutional perspective, Justin Aboigby, I thought, was still impressive on this night dj dale with a sack how about the big man shaheem otis gets another start in there um it's a it's a deep experienced group and you know you're seeing more guys that i think they are feeling more and more comfortable rolling out there tim smith although ah, tim had one of his offsides penalties on saturday night but again the point stands you've got a multitude of of players that you feel like are rotational options at this point. Byron Young is important. Again, not to discount his uh, importance, but uh, you know you don't feel like you have to run him out there if he's not you know, 85 90% at least. Certainly 100% uh, would be preferred. So you know, as you get into a blowout, you see more of these younger guys too, uh, Damon Payne, uh, Jamarian Latham, Tim Keenan, uh, you're really able to go deep on that defensive front and get some guys some experience in game action. Now, at the linebacker level, it was once again Deontay Lawson rotating in there at the weak side position with Jalen Moody. Both those guys were solid throughout the game. Henry was excellent, I thought, throughout the game. You know, outside linebacker, your three that you know you're going to roll with. As you got later in the game, you saw uh, Q Robinson. You saw Jeremiah Alexander. Uh, I thought it was interesting, too. You saw Demoy Kennedy some at weak side linebacker. He's become this sort of utility backer at this point. And so they bounced him around a little bit, more so where they, they need help from a depth perspective. But uh, he was in there at the will working with Deontay Lawson, got some uh, Mobile, I guess, Baldwin County sort of representation with that duo in there. And, you know, Deontay, I've said it before, and I like it. I like seeing him get some reps there right in the middle of the defense when you think about the potential for if something were to happen to Henry or uh, you think about 2023 and – 
You, know, you saw a lot of those young linebackers. They went deep. Jihad Campbell, Sean Murphy in there late in the game. So, uh, you know, an opportunity for a lot of guys to see time in that front seven. Now, at the corner positions, it was pretty much a three-man rotation throughout the game. It was Terry and Arnold, and it was also Kool-Aid McKinstry, once again, to open the game at those corners. And we talked about this throughout the week in our matchups and our five predictions piece there at BamaOnline.com. Will Shepard was going to get his targets. Um, He got 15 targets last week at Northern Illinois. Caught 10 balls for 171 and a couple of touchdowns. And, you know, he came into this game having caught touchdown passes uh, in the last five games. Dating back to last season, he had a five-game touchdown streak, seven touchdown catches in his first four games of this season. And one of our predictions was that Will Shepard would not catch a touchdown pass. Well, he did not. He did catch three balls for 52 yards. And given that he is a six foot three, 200-pound wide receiver, and you look at Alabama's corners, although Terry and Arnold, you know, 6-1-ish, and Kool-Aid, too, um, not giving away a whole bunch, but Will Shepard, not a 4-4 guy. So you know the in-breaking routes are typically coming, and you certainly expect the back shoulder throws. And Alabama and its corners got a big dose of that from Shepard. And I thought Alabama's corners held up pretty good to it. Got after Tarion early, but I thought Tarion a couple plays later answered the bell when they came right back at him. Um, Shepard did draw a pass interference penalty on Eli Ricks there in the third quarter. You can live with that. Uh, but Alabama defensively, uh, you know, when you look at the the job done on Will Shepard, uh, he had eight targets, caught three balls. That's a batting average you can feel okay about, I think, if you're Pete Golding. And once again, 26 pass attempts for a quarterback, just 115 yards. So, you know, you're a little under five yards per attempt. You'll take that. No touchdowns. Saban said after the game they're still harping on the need or the preference for more in the way of takeaways, but he also was quick to reiterate, you know, when you're holding teams to one of 13 on, uh, on third down, yeah, you can, you can live with maybe, uh, not quite as many takeaways as, as you would like. Now that's not going to stop Nick Saban and his staff from, from pushing for those. But, uh, I thought the back end was good. You did see, uh, was, I guess, Jordan there, Jordan battle, uh, in the second half, looked like he reached for a hamstring there at one point. But um, so we'll we'll see how that works as we get into Arkansas week. But you know Alabama with five sacks that that always helps your pass defense too. And you know I think the back shoulder throw made a lot of sense for Vandy too because there just wasn't going to be enough time uh, to get a lot of things out. You had Will Anderson with two and a half sacks. Uh, you had a handful of other guys that. Uh, contributed to that five-sack total. We talked about uh, DJ Dale in that mix, uh, Braswell in that mix. So, you know, you had a few guys that that helped with that. Quarterback hurries, uh, Justin Aboigby had one of those. Braswell, in addition to a half-sack, had two quarterback hurries. So you were able to get consistent pressure on the quarterback when the opportunities presented themselves because, as we know, Opposing quarterbacks aren't going to just try to sit back there and you know wait till three Mississippi to get the ball out. It's going to typically be uh, 
quite efficient in, in getting the ball out quickly. So 34 first downs for Alabama in the game, just nine for the Vanderbilt offense. Uh, 115 passing yards for Vanderbilt. You know, one of the things we felt pretty confident about in five predictions was that Vanderbilt wouldn't reach half of its yards per game rushing output to this point from the previous four games. Uh, I think Vandy came in at right around 218 per game, uh, and they rushed for 14 yards, the Commodores did on 26 carries so success in that regard where run defense is concerned as well special teams we'll talk about um boy the punt return team after last week kind of felt like it was the world championship punt return team uh of football in general not as much this time around you had a couple of muffs on punt returns uh, didn't hurt kool-aid mckinstry on his uh, he still turned that into a 15-yard return. Brian Branch, when Alabama did go with two guys back deep, Branch and McKinstry, he had a muff. Alabama was able to dodge a bullet there. But Kuwait had a really nice return there, what, 40 yards or so? But then he fumbles at the end of it. And I was actually more concerned about maybe his knee. It was an awkward finish to that play for him. Uh, he turned out to be just okay, just fine, but – uh, he did lose the football there. Um, you know, and you look at, you speak of injuries, Cameron Latou. Uh, what about that? I mean, that, that was scary, wasn't it? I mean, they take him off the field. He's not able to put any weight on his right leg. And then the next series, he's back out there. So that was that was a, a very, very positive sequence there, as it turned out. So special teams, you know, you expect – uh, perfection at this point from Will Reichard, and he pretty much delivers on it on a weekly basis. How about Joseph Bullivis coming back to Tuscaloosa to break the two-game shutout for the Vanderbilt Commodores in this series with the 40-yard field goal there in the first quarter? Hey, good for Joe, man. He drilled that thing, 40-yarder. Uh, you also had just a, a few punt opportunities for James Burnup in the game. He punted twice for 87 yards. That's a 43.5-yard average, uh, a long of 47. So you're seeing some improvement um, from James in that area. Will with two more field goals, one from 40, one from 21. One from 40 was uh, a little close there to that left upright. But uh, he got it through nonetheless. And so Will Riker continues on his tremendous start to the 2022 season. Not the, again, not the kind of performance from the punt return team uh, that we saw a week ago. But uh, it's Vanderbilt. So uh, you live to tell, uh, you live to. You live to play another day, I guess, of, of punt return football if you're this Alabama team. So there you go. Some thoughts on both the offense, the defense, and, of course, some special teams talk as well. Again, from an injury perspective, some stuff to keep an eye on as we get into Arkansas week. Uh, you'll be wanting to check in on Byron Young. If there's anything else on Jordan Battle, we'll know about it. Uh, it looks like Cameron Latou was fine considering he re-entered the game, but uh, Nick Saban will address the media again, of course, on Monday, midday Monday with Nick Saban uh, as you get Arkansas week underway. And it was an interesting day in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, wow. We talked about a little bit that Auburn 
that Auburn uh, Missouri game. Didn't seem like anybody wanted to really win that game, did it? Not really. Yeah, didn't seem that way to me either. Did Missouri Missouri lost that game about three different ways down the stretch? Mevis is one of the best kickers in the country, and he can't make a twenty six yarder there at the end of regulation. Then it looks like Carlson, Anders Carlson, is going to miss a field goal, but you're off sides. Missouri is. So he gets another shot, and of course a Carlson doesn't miss on a second chance. Daniel, Anders, any of them. And he drills it. And then it still looks like Missouri is going to score the winning touchdown, and the Missouri player goes to reach the ball out over the goal line, and it slips out of his hand, and goes into the end zone for a touchback ball game. Auburn wins uh, to go to three and one on the season, one and zero in the SEC. I don't know if there's ever been a fan base more upset about being tied for the division lead than Auburn's right now, uh, or at least a lot of that fan base. And just uh, Brian Harson, he loves his haters too, right? Kent State kept things interesting in Athens. That was a surprise. Kent State. Had a 100-yard receiver, a 90-yard rusher, scored 22 points, faked a punt and converted it against Georgia. So a little bit of a back-to-earth performance for the Bulldogs in the win over the MAC opponent on Saturday. You also had Mississippi State getting back into the win column. It was a MAC Saturday in some ways in the Southeastern Conference. Bowling Green making the trip to Starkville and State after that disappointing loss at LSU last week gets a 45-14 to win. Florida and Tennessee was entertaining, wasn't it? Really was. And Tennessee breaks the snide against the Florida Gators. Boy, you talk about a combined domination of Tennessee. Florida and Alabama over the last decade and a half or so, that's been ugly. But the Vols get it done at Neyland Stadium to improve to 4-0 on the season and 1-0 in the SEC. A very, very impactful stretch coming up for the Vols. They'll go to LSU the same Saturday that Alabama hosts uh, Texas A&M. And then, of course, Alabama will go to Tennessee that next weekend, October the 15th. But I give Florida some credit in that game, too. A couple times it looked like it was really getting away from the Gators. I thought Billy Napier handled some situations really well. Uh, Stayed aggressive, went for some fourth downs. Uh, Anthony Richardson, it was the kind of passing performance that he needed in the game. Throws for 453, did have the big fumble where he lost the football. Uh, That was sort of a turning point in the game. Hendon Hooker was huge for the Vols, both with his arm and his legs. And I got to give Tennessee some credit. No Cedric Tillman, and they still get it done. That offense still was very, very impressive for the Vols in that win over the Gators. Ole Miss, eight-point win over Tulsa. Got out to a 35-17 lead there at halftime and sort of sleptwalked through the rest of that one. A&M and Arkansas. Boy, the most cruelest of doinks for Arkansas late in that loss to Texas A&M. And so you're going to have Alabama at Arkansas next Saturday and then A&M in Tuscaloosa the following Saturday. Kind of a round-robin setup here. Northern Illinois kept things interesting with number 8 Kentucky on Saturday. The Cats, though, get it done 31-23. to LSU, that defense starting to pick things up. 
it looks like, in Baton Rouge. Been very impressive the last six quarters going back to the second half of the Mississippi State game last week. Shut out football for the most part for LSU over that stretch. And South Carolina, whatever you think of Shane Beamer, it seems like he beats the teams he's supposed to. And it was 56-20, to 20, the Gamecocks, over Charlotte on Saturday at williams Bryce Stadium. That's going to do it for the latest edition of Instant Analysis. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the pod yet, it's the BAM Online Podcast. Simple as a click or two. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review, that would greatly help us out as well. And, of course, you want to be right there with us at BAMAonline.com for continuing coverage of all things Alabama Crimson Tide, Charlie Potter, Kirk McNair, site publisher Tim Watts, recruiting analyst Hank South. We got you covered right there at BOL. And hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans globally. Travis Ryer thanking you once again. And until next time, so long, everybody. <laughs>